Chapter 4, The Vergesso Drift On the Deway, while en route to the Vergesso Drift, Ted and Mookie get to work on the damaged R2 unit that was found in the ARC-170 Starfighter that Ted pulled out of the starfield at the Zabu Dodge Navbuoy. Ted pulls out his soldering iron while Mookie reviews schematics and guides her Pantoran companion. Hey, I think I found something, Ted calls from the docking bay. He finds a disconnected cybernetic brain implant deep in the torso of the droid along with a built-in comm link and computer access link. He reconnects the implant and comm links, soldering them into place. Pleased with his handiwork, Ted introduces the crew to their generously restored R2 unit. R3RN. Rerun. On the edge of the outer rim in wild space, the Dewey bursts out of hyperspace. Scattered amidst the accretion disk of a distant blue planet, sundry misshapen rocks gradually rotate and drift in synchrony. Notably, a large asteroid stands out and appears to have some form of life and build-up structure. The active scanners confirm that it is the only rock with life. Moving closer, they see glimmering in the starlight one docking pad and a few puttering tugs going back and forth from the lone city to the other asteroids. Ted eyes cargo haulers, but no warships or starfighters are seen. They decide to land on the dimly lit docking pad. Strewn about the periphery of the pad, old, rusty industrial equipment lies dormant. As they circle above a ramshackle control station, rotating into landing position, a droid voice queries them on the comms. Wayfarer freighter, you are cleared to land. Docking space 7. The Dewey pulls into a bay with an atmosphere-retaining shield and drops into a poorly marked space. There are a few other random ships parked in the area. A decrepit droid rigidly ambles towards the heroes as the party descends their docking ramp and asks where to find the Alkian's nest, as hinted at from Ember's previous dispatch. The droid servers rotate its chest around and it points towards the derelict town, stating the Alkian nest is in the heart of the city. Thanking the droid, they disembark and make their way to the asteroid's inhabited sector. Broken signs, cracked streetlights, limped, disconnected power cables, and worn-out mining equipment adorn the neglected street. Small feral animals run from one side to the other, skittering and chirping. The town appears almost barren with only a few denizens seen. Following the droid's direction, they continue deeper into town. Numerous asteroids dangle ominously overhead. A small feline creature with six legs jumps out of a trash can, startling them. Dogs bark and howl in the distance at the sudden clamor. Sodium lights flicker overhead. Some are burnt out completely. Old rusted-out vehicles are left abandoned. It is quiet. Buck wonders to himself if they are in the correct location for the rendezvous. A small, nondescript building reveals its broken signage as they round a corner. Alkion Nest. The neon N is burnt out, and the open sign is flickering. Roquan looks around for signs of ambush. Several locals enter the bar. Buck leads them inward. The cantina is quite dirty. A comfortable home for the miners and other industrial workers enjoying a brief respite from physical labor. Vod approaches the bartender. I'll have a quartet of Snivian suicides. Eh, uh, four, that is. 
The uh, Polis Masson over there isn't much of a drinker. In response, the bartender drops four frosted metal cups onto the bar and fills them half full with a foul appearing liquid. How do you take it? Uh, first bloodied and, uh, then broken, replies Vod, recalling the cryptic text from Ember. The bartender puts a splash of red rock berry juice in each cup. Bloodied? He reaches into a barrel of liquid nitrogen and pulls out a yellow, ice-like steaming chunk. He places it on the counter and suddenly smashes it with a mallet pulled from under the counter. He drops a broken piece in each mug. You want some Nala Frog? He asks, holding up a lifeless amphibian and a cleaver. Nah, I want them brainless, replies Vod. The weak way turns and gives Roquan an obnoxious wink. Okay, okay, the bartender replies, setting aside the frog. He pulls out a butane torch. How about flamed? Vod nods in approval, and the bartender scorches the top of each of the drinks. I'll have Gracie bring them out. I need to get the booze. The heroes find their way to a booth, and shortly afterwards, their server, Gracie, a droid, rolls up. Hi, boys. Four snivient suicides. First bloodied, then broken, brainless, and burnt. That'll be 20 credits. Buck pays. What? No tip? Ted gives her five more credits. She reaches towards Ted, smiling. Deftly, her hand tucks a card into Ted's front pocket. You may be looking for this. Have a good time on Vergesso. Vod and Buck clink glasses, throwing back their drink as Ted pulls out the folded note. The front side shows ABC Transport and a phone number, 9864362. Ted flips it over. On the back, there is a hand-scrawled suggestion. Ask for Cinder and Sunder. Mookie pulls out her holocom and dials up the ABC transport. A droid answers. Can I speak with Cinder and Sunder? Mookie asks. There is a brief pause. Transport will arrive in seven minutes. The group finishes their drinks and wait in front of the Alkion nest for their ride. An older droid in an even older cab picks up the PCs outside of the Alkion nest and hauls them through the streets and alleys of Vergesso stopping at the end of a long, darkened street. It lets the heroes out in front of a small, nondescript building. Mookie, gathering her courage, walks up the path towards the building. She knocks on the large steel door. It echoes hollowly. Suddenly, the doorway ponderously opens, and they enter through a dim hallway into the atrium of a room. A female Bothan greets them. Welcome. We've been expecting you. In the back of the room, a familiar Iakaru hoots a greeting. Hey, boys. I didn't think we'd see you again. It's AC early. As the hero's eyes adjust to the light of their newfound room, they notice there are four figures standing inside. The first is a kindly-appearing Bothan female in an old blue military uniform. Her golden bothan hair is flecked with gray, signifying her age. Next to her is an athletic-appearing Sullustan in a slim-fitting flight suit. In the opposite corner, a tall Ithorian 
in stately politico garb and standing in the middle of the room, A.C. Early, their mentor. In this hideout, there are star atlases and papers scattered all over the floor. Mookie notes to herself that they have found a secret rebel cell. You look like you haven't had a bath or a good meal in the past two weeks, says the Bothan. Come in, come in. We have much to discuss. And where are my manners? I am Lovey Valor. I am the leader of this group. And this here, she points to the Celestin. I'm Jay Leave, a member of the Celestin Resistance. The Celestin introduces himself. I'm Sprob Chillum, booms the Ithorian, liaison to the Tenlos Syndicate. And you all know me, says AC. Buck, what happened to your face? He gestures at the healing gash near Buck's mouth. Now, that little one back there, I don't believe we've met. He extends his hand towards Mookie as she introduces herself. You must be the Agent Ember sent their way on Narshada. Turning to the rest of the group, he says, Now, Ember sent you to find Vector. Did you get her? The heroes exchange glances. Roquan looks down at his feet. Buck looks at AC and shares the unfortunate events. Vector has sadly perished. She was captured by a gangster, Zinzin, and frozen in cheap, knock-off carbonite. No one survived. She did mention her sister before she died, and Spinet. Vod nods and pulls out the blue card from Vector's chrono. And she had this. Taking sudden interest in what Vod is holding, the Bothan steps forward. Oh my, she had this on her? Do you know what this is? This is the flag of my homeworld, the Bothan flag. Lovey says excitedly. Analysis of the hollow data entry that you brought to Ember suggests Vector was an agent that was not working out of any known rebel cell. She clearly had a connection with the Baroness Okomu, though. She was filtering information about equipment and supplies from her sources to the Baroness. It looks like the bulk of the information Ember was receiving from the Baroness was actually from Vector. The large Ithorian's throat sack hums, and he responds with authority and concerns. We are hoping to find more information about the Imperial War Machine. The might of the Empire grows every day. Rebel cells are grossly outnumbered and outgunned and are being snuffed out by the Empire. We are running low on food, supplies, ships, even credits. We were hoping Vector had information on recent Imperial weapons development. We need to find out what is on that card. Lovey and Sprabs exchange a glance. The data card suggests she was an agent of the Bothan Spynet, communicating with Baroness Okomu. The Bothan Spynet must have had a strong connection with her. This information is significant. AC Early pacing around the computer terminal with hands behind his back, turns to Buck. Now, Buck, you said something important about Vector's dying words. Something about her sister? Well, facial scans suggest Vector may have actually been Okomu's sister. 
Lovey nods. It is tragic this resource has been severed with her death, but not all is lost. I think we can still glean the information from the Bothan data card, but it is beyond our decryption capability here. Jalib looks thoughtfully, rubbing his Solaston cheek flap. That card had encrypted information from the Bothan spynet. Yes, they can decrypt it for us, but Bothan information doesn't come for free. They charge a substantial fee, and they're still staying neutral. Yep, says AC. We're going to need an offering, or some collateral. But how much would we need? 5,000 credits? 10,000? Asks Sprobs. We need some way to decrypt that information and slow down the Empire. Hopefully, find a weakness. I think I can get a council with the Bolton Spynet for the right price, suggests Lovey. They are suspicious at heart and play both sides of the coin for sure. Yes, we will need credits, an ample supply, and soon. She leans back thoughtfully. Despite our remote location, we are in the right place for finding credits. Even though this asteroid appears poor, we partner with the Tenlos Syndicate who reside here. They help us infiltrate and abscond, and we do them some favors as well. Consider it a symbiotic relationship. We recover goods and split the profits with them. Yes, morally, it's in the gray zone, some might say, but it provides us desperately needed resources. AC bangs his hairy fist on the desk determinedly. We must find a way to cripple the Imperial War Machine. We've got to do something. Tenlos might be able to help some with the credits for the Bothan Spynet decryption, but we'll need to scratch their backs, too. Sprobs Chillin, the Ithorian, places his large leathery hand on AC's shoulder. I will set up a meeting with Tenlos Syndicate post-haste. Sprob leaves to make a phone call while the group takes a well-earned moment of rest and have some food inside the Spartan, dimly lit, Rebel safe house. As the Rebels finish their meal and tea, as provided by the Bothan Lovey Valor, there is a knock at the door, and Sprob's Chillum, the Ithorian, goes to answer. He brings the new guest back into the room. This is our friend from the Tenlaw Syndicate, P-10. A muscular, mohawked woman with two sidearms steps forward. I hear you're looking for a way to make some credits. Buck nods. P-10 continues. Well, I'm a businesswoman, and I think Tenlaw can cut you a deal on this one. Here's what I've got to offer. It's high time we make a visit to Planet Farstein. At the West End Spaceport, there's a hyperdrive fueling station. It's ripe for the picking, and it's been a while since we've hit there. Our scouts say there are some Imperial shipments due, and an increase in hunt shipping activity as well. She pauses, eyeing each of the crew. The hunt cartels have been encroaching on our space lanes, and it sure would be nice to slow them down. Also, it's race season. The city is going to be busy with tourists. 
We could pick their metaphorical pockets in West End, and you can bilk the rich luxury yacht stopping over on their flights to Skynara. P-10 informs them of a potential contact on Farstein and West End City named Tweak McCrack, a Toydarian. Tweak works in the flight control tower. P-10 suggests they could take a tour of the tower and speak with Tweak. Tweak knows everything going on in the West End spaceport. He's got all of the comings and goings. He doesn't miss a thing. He's a busy fella. And I can tell you one thing. Tweak McCrack likes his glitter calf. Now, here's the deal, P-10 says. We'll take 30% of what you earn, what you're able to get from your time on Farstein. The rest, she gestures to the room, is for whatever you need it to be. The heroes and their newfound group of rebel friends briefly confer amongst themselves. They agree that partnering with the Ten Lost Syndicate and P-10 is their best option for fast credits to earn favor from the Bothans and access Vector's spynet card data. Very well, says Lovey. I will begin preliminary negotiation with the Bothans anticipating your success on Falstein. P-10 turns to Ted. Sounds like a deal. Well, while you're on Farstein, use this comlink. You can always get a hold of me with it. Ted accepts it and asks, You're not going to be there too? P-10 replies, I'm going to fly you in, honey. You can't get in without me. You'll be flying in close, right behind me. Mookie pipes in. P-10, can you provide us cover on your way out, too? P-10 chuckles. You're the rebels. I'm just a businesswoman. You'll find your own way out. With that, Ted, Buck, Roquan, Mookie, and Vod head towards the door with P-10. AC shouts at them as they leave. Remember, if you are captured, you know nothing of us, the colony, or the rebellion. Lovey nudges him and clears her throat. <clears throat> and may the force be with you. The heroes head back to the docking bay and find the Dewey has been tended to. There are still areas of repair where plates were blown off and cables exposed. Blaster scoring is still visible and clearly some hull damage remains, but it is much improved. A favor from AC's mechanic droid earlier during the meeting. After they have all climbed inside their respective ships, P-10's ship engines fire up. Over the comm link in Ted's pocket, P-10's voice crackles in. You guys ready to go? She's flying a Baudu-class star yacht. I'll transmit the coordinates. You just need to load them and rock. Ted hops into the pilot seat and fires up the Dewey. Mookie settles into a chair at the engineering station and Roquan sits with folded legs, meditating in the cockpit. Mookie receives the coordinates in P-17 on the standard galactic grid, near the Vergesso Drift. Ready? Ted says to his ship. Jump to hyperspace on my mark. And... Mark. P-10's large star yacht jumps to light speed. The Dewey follows quickly, jumping to hyperspace right behind her.